0: welcome to the social fishing podcast my name is reese creed i'm a passionate angler and i want to share as much as i can about the sport we all love on this podcast we speak to incredible anglers sharing a wealth of priceless knowledge all to help you reach your fishing dreams thanks for joining us today now let's begin This is episode 7 of the Social Fishing Podcast, and in today's installment, we are going to be talking about fishing in tough conditions. A topic that is relevant to everyone, as we can't always plan our trips around the weather and the water conditions. Most of the time, we plan a weekend that's free and we just have to go no matter what. And because that is such a common occurrence for many of us, I wanted to talk about the ways you can make the most of less than favorable conditions when met with them. And plus, it's a time of year when the fishing can test us with cooler water and rain, it makes finding that hungry fish All that much harder. So, in today's episode, I'm going to be joined by Chris and we're going to talk about a few of the more common tough fishing conditions and explain how we approach them and some tips for how we get the most out of those days. The conditions we touch on are extreme water temperatures, so cold water temps, which is fitting for this time of year considering we're still in the end of winter. We also touch on the other end of the scale which is high water temperatures and another one is dirty water. Now we share our experience and what to do in these situations, um, how to fish them, how we approach the water, the best lure choice the best areas to fish and how the fish behave. At the start of the episode, we give a quick wrap of what's been happening in the news and social media over the past few weeks, and towards the end of the podcast, we share what we think is the best option for the next few weeks ahead. There are some key points we touch on in this episode that you're sure to learn something from, so I'm very, very excited. Now, before we jump into this episode, I just want to let you all know about the Complete Guide series if you haven't heard about it already. It's a tutorial series that we created to help you catch more fish, help teach you everything you need to know about freshwater lure fishing and give you the answers to all your questions. Even if you're wondering what's the best rod to use, braid, leader size, even down to the fine details about what bib to use on, say, a lure that you're going to cast along a river or maybe what size lure to troll in a dam, and this goes for trout golden perch and murray cod. Now these details are all packed into this 26 hour series. It is massive and it covers all styles of freshwater lure fishing. Now you can learn more about this series on our website at socialfishing.com.au. But if you're not sure about it and you're thinking of getting it or if you're thinking about, say, buying more gear instead and you think more gear is important, go take a look at the trailer videos and and the information on the website and I promise you the things you will learn in this series will catch you more fish than any lure ever will. It's the most most important money that you will ever invest. Um, I know you're keen to improve your fishing skills because you're listening to this podcast. And if you're keen to go to the next level, catch more fish and have more success, just go have a look at the complete guide series. As always, thank you guys for jumping on and listening to the podcast. And without further ado, let's jump in and talk about fishing in tough conditions. Welcome, welcome, guys, back to another episode of the Social Fishing Podcast. As I say, every time it comes around to recording one of these, I get super excited because I just want to share as much as I can with you. We've had a great response to the podcast so far. Uh, So many of you out there are loving it. Please make sure you jump on Review on Apple podcast app and any app that you use now this is one of our co-hosted episodes and i have chris with me mate thank you for joining me good to be here mate. excited to be here talking to everyone in podcast land
1: i guess that's right that's (laughs)
0: right yeah it's a new it's a new sort of realm for us it's
1: kind of out there um it's taking some getting used to i'm used to being in front of a camera but you know talking to a little microphone to all the or the people out there, it's great.
0: Yeah, so what we're going to be talking about mm. in this episode is fishing in tough conditions. Yes. Now, that's the topic that we're going to touch on later on, and the, the reason we want to talk about it is because everyone has a tough day on the
1: water. All, we've, we've all... You can never, ever go out in the water and hit a fantastic day. We've all been stuck or hit the water and had a tough day, so it's a fantastic, relevant um, little point to touch on, and
0: I reckon you guys are going to get an absolute tonne out of it. Because and especially now being the end of winter, it's mm. kind of that transition period. Mm. So it should have a lot of relevance to anywhere you fish in the 100%. freshwater. hundred percent. We're starting to see really, we had a really cold
1: winter time, especially for you native guys chasing Murray, cod and golden perch. We've had a real harsh winter. And as we know in winter time, you know, you do have good fishing days, but for yeah. the majority of it, it's tough going. So it's a bit of a transition time now. So, um, but I reckon a lot of people are
0: going to get a lot out of this. I'm excited. So before we jump into it, I do want to touch on we are going if you had have listened to any other episodes, we're going to have listen questions. Yes. At the start of our podcast episodes, we're going to answer questions submitted from you guys. I'm really keen for that. We haven't got it ready yet, but it's only a couple of weeks away. Pick our brains. If you've got a question you want
1: answered, doesn't matter how out of the box it is, we'll try and give it a go. And- Hopefully, answer it anyway.
0: Yes, exactly. So, just for those of you who want to know, it will be a part of the free social phishing accounts which are coming in about two weeks' time, fingers crossed. Now, included with that is the free freshwater mini series that we've been putting together. I did a launch uh, last week on Facebook about it and in the last couple of podcasts mm. letting you know about this free series. It's got hours of content, teaches you how to catch freshwater fish on lures, it's got heaps of action, and it is going to be included in that free account. And also, in that free account, there will be an area to submit. Your questions, and we'll answer two or three questions at the start of every co-hosted episode with you and the ones with Talos as well. He doesn't love
1: free stuff. That's awesome. (laughs) You don't get too much free content these days. And like Last Ray said, shoot us a question. Doesn't matter what it is. If you've got a question that's burning in your mind right now, shoot it to us. We've got the
0: wealth knowledge of the social fishing team.
1: We'll be able to answer it. Hopefully,
0: hopefully, that's right. So let's jump into what's been (laughs) happening fishing wise. Social media. What have you seen over the last couple of weeks from your end? Yep, yep. Have you seen any big fish caught? Any specific tactics working, or has it been slow? Uh, being this time of year, what? Well, in,
1: in, especially around the Wagga area where I work, uh, we have seen some. We have seen some fish start to wake up. In particular, one area that's starting to gain um, a bit of notoriety is Burenjuck. It's um. I've, it's been very very quiet all winter. It hasn't done a great deal of anything. Um, the last two weeks, and especially now because we're leading up to the Greg Whitehead Whitehead Challenge, which is this weekend, we've started to see some really, really good cod caught. And in contrast, the blaring Dan, we're starting to see them come on top water. Right, so you have seen top water. Cod we've seen out of probably blaring. at least half a dozen, uh, with about two or three of them over the meter, mm-hmm. uh, which is fantastic. Um, that's starting to come alive, which is good for you, big Murray cod anglers. You've got another option before season closes. What are they? Do you know what they're taking? Most of the time, with paddlers, it's not wakes, and that's the one thing with Baron Jack or Blaring. Literally anywhere you'll find that they're in a mood for something. And I tend to find, especially in winter time, uh, wakes tend to be more preferred over paddlers. There's maybe it's a bit more subtle, and they you know they'll, they'll take a wake over a, over a paddler. But 100, 150 mil paddlers seem to be doing justice. Yeah. Um, and stuff like your mumblers and big spinnerbaits as well, casting hard timber and they're pulling good fish. They may not be massive fish, but they're pulling fish consistently.
0: All oh, right, that's, yeah, yeah. So that, that's fantastic. I've seen a bit brilliant. down in Victoria too. Eildon, Eildon's hit and miss, but I've seen some big fish coming out of Yeah, just through social media. There's been a few posts. Yep. Um, and that, have you seen much happening river-wise? I know if people who fish the rivers hard are getting small fish here and yeah. there. This is any river throughout New South Wales, Victoria, but yep. it's still tough. Hey? It's either it's big fish yep. or it's, it's pretty well nothing. Yeah, it's been... Um, a lot, of, a lot
1: of the rivers we've got, we had a fantastic belt of rain across New South Wales and Victoria, um, and it has dirtied up the rivers, but for you guys who have been out there bait fishing, they've been picking up the old one, but lure fishing has been pretty hard, especially in the Murrumbidgee. Yeah. Um, but other than that, it's um, I've just basically been trying to deck out everyone who's going to Burren Jack this weekend for yep. the Greg Whitehead Challenge, and... You know, looking at all the new toys that are coming out after. That's what I was
0: gonna say. After is, well, we're recording this as of after being on right now. Mm. You might hear this. Uh, this is gonna come out early in the week, so it's about. This will be. You'll hear this about two days or three days after after yep. it's on. Now, um, this is the first year it's open to the public for one day on yes. the Saturday. That's gonna be. Well, obviously, it's already done by the time you're hearing this. But now, do you think that's gonna be that's, big? That's good. <laughs> do you think a lot of people will go? It will. It, it will be
1: big. In my industry, I sell tackle. It's going to be a massive headache, but it's going to be it's going to be big. The reason being, a lot of this stuff isn't hasn't been released yet. Yeah, yeah, obviously. So I'm going to get so many customers asking me, "Have you got this? Have you got this?" And it won't be. But some of the stuff that is seeping through now, which I've seen, especially the chaser bait surface lure that yep. looks like a budgie. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's, it's just mouth watering cod candy. Um, some of the stuff out of Mega Bass, especially the really big Vitalians that they're showcasing absolutely insane. We're going to see some fantastic new swim baits, glide baits, coming out after this year. And um, if Just, you're up there and you're an angler, you've got to go have a look. It's yeah, yeah. Where is it? Uh, it's in Queensland. So don't ask me where. Gold Coast? Gold Coast, I believe. Yeah. The boss is up there while I'm taking care of the shop. and But I'm seeing photos of some of the product, products that are coming out of there. And we're starting to see a lot of high-end Japanese lures. And some of the stuff that the Australian, like, for example, chaser baits. You know, this is an Australian company, and they're producing some fantastic surface lures. Yeah, right. Um, and Barumba come out with a new swim bait, and that's been leaked out. Um, there's been a few photos and so videos. So the one of he
0: brought out, out at iCast? iCast. yes, yeah, so massive. everyone's seen it already. Yeah,
1: but the interchanging weight system that you can unlock. Yeah. No stuffing around, no chin weights. And then, and you know, at, after it'll get a really good plug and that's when it will explode. Yeah. So we're going to see some fantastic product. It's out
0: always, it's first. always changing. Though. The new lures yep. are always coming out. It's always going to be. But I love what you mentioned in the, uh, the first episode you and I recorded was mm. it's more about the angler doing the right thing and a more keyed in angler than 100%. the lure itself. Lures help, uh, Lures still got to use them the right way. You've got to, you, you got to use them the right way. And that's
1: when we should be, you know, it's fantastic to have a really, really good lure but learning how to use that lure to its, you know, one hundred percent effectiveness, that's what's going to make the difference. Mm. And you know, if you're if you're up at after at the moment and you're look, you're looking at well, these
0: lures, they're going to hear this after after. But well, yeah. they're going
1: to lure, if you know after after. If you if you, a lot of these guys, you can send them a message and ask them ask them how to use their lures. Yeah, you know, because they are the guys who design them. They're the guys that make them, and it makes hundred percent difference. Little little tiny. You know, bits of information, like I, I quiz Adam Townsend in regards to Megabass lures. And yep. he is an absolute gun. He knows how to make them work 100%. And it's just short little tweaks. But, yep, I'm, I'm diverging. I'm getting too excited about lures now. Yes. So uh. let's
0: talk about our topic of sure. conversation. We're going to talk about so the tough conditions. So yep. it's the end of winter. We've just had months of tough fishing. Yep. Now, we're going to talk about four key different sort of things that make fishing tough and how to approach them Mm. to achieve the most success from it. Absolutely. So the first one is cold temperatures. So middle of winter is tough fishing. The fish slow down. We know that because their metabolism slows down. They don't need to feed as much, therefore they're harder to catch. Mm. We still do chase bigger cod though. There are reasons as to why we do that. And there's a lot of different environmental factors that go into, it's easier to, or not easier, but you can still catch big fish in winter. But if you've got a tough, say we've got a cold front, we've got cold front come across, say it's not a nice summer's week, like a nice warm week in winter. We're saying we've just got hit by tough conditions. Is it, talking natives, is it even worth going fishing? Now, okay, I'll, I'll answer the. I'll get, I'll get
1: this question a lot. Is it like, you know, your condition's tough? Um, and I had this question asked to me by Andrew McGovern a couple of weeks ago, and he said, is it even worth going? You know, we had cold weather, we had dirty water, we had just basically if you had the whole list of bad conditions, we had them. And my simple answer to that question was, well, I'm never going to catch a cod sitting at home. You just have to adjust to the conditions and work hard. And expect Expect, expect, you know, go in there. Still expect and still want to get one. Work, work confidently, work, make, make sure every cast is, you know, potentially a fish cast. And that's the thing. If you get, if you get on the water and you've got hard conditions, you go, I'm not going to catch a fish. This is stuffed. And you fish like that from the word go. Yeah, you're going to have poor conditions until you catch a fish and get your hopes up. And go, oh, maybe this isn't so bad. But if you go in there and go, right, I'm going to catch a fish. I'm going to try and do my best. Do absolutely everything and constantly keep thinking like, hey, right, I've done this. This is not working. I'm going to keep changing. As you would know with with Blair and, or Burrenjuck or any of those cold water dams, you can't just get stuck on the one thing. You yep. constantly keep changing or keep moving. It, right? It'll go a bit warmer water. Mm-hmm. And you're, you know, you change lure or you change retrieve or you change presentation.
0: Yep. So, yeah, it's it's never right off a trip. Right, exactly. but. Honestly, it's going to be tougher. Isn't it? Oh, 100%. So, yeah. It's <laughs> never going to be easy. No, and same for the dams. We fish for big cod in dams in winter. Mm. But if you have a, a cold snap come through, mm. it's going to be tougher than it was, say, the week before with some sun, like sunnier conditions. So yep. uh, for, for some tips for fishing in the cold. Now, I learnt this... I've known it for a while but it really cemented into my head this winter we did a trip. Now, the water was, it was freezing, the fish was shut down, now it was, the water was also dirty and we're going to talk about dirty water uh, later on in a minute. But with the cold conditions, it was rep- rep- sorry, repetition mm. of casts. Mm. So, when the fish are active, I look for actively feeding fish. So, I fish quicker. Yep. So, by quicker, I mean I'm casting to a snag, let it sink, roll it out. Once it's out of the strike zone, pick up the pace, wind it and get another casting and, and put maybe one or two at each log and just keep moving. Mm. In winter, you want to fish slow fish hard and fish slow don't think about covering water if you have a good bit of structure that you know has a cod on it especially if it's a big log yeah so a big log will have probably most likely a bigger fish on it spend the cast casting out now it was i've, I've always known this and you and in your head you're always like yeah i've got to do 20 30 40 casts of log but then when you're actually out there sometimes that doesn't actually happen no nah. a lot of the times you just keep going until you snag on it but on this day i think We'd fished quick all, it was this winter. We fished, we we're on the river and we were fishing quick all day and nothing was happening. Found this one nice log with a good V and a fork into yep. some deeper pockets. And it was because I was basically just talking away, wasn't really concentrating. I just kept putting casts at this spot. Well, that's a nice cast spot, nice spot. I didn't have any wind move me around. No. So the boat sort of sat in the same spot, did it again, did it again, let it sink right to the bottom, did it again. And I think it was the seventh cast of the exact same spot. So I'm not talking the same log, Like different casts on the same log. I'm talking the exact cast on the log, although it was the best cast. And then bang, just got nailed. I got jammed on the seventh cast. And I'm going, this is what we're doing wrong. Like, was that, do you think that fish came off because he was, and that's a thing, that's a question. Well, Was was was,
1: was he hungry? Do you think he would have, you know, if you put that cast, obviously, you put that cast in the exact same spot the first time. It was until the seventh or eighth, ninth or cast that you pulled him. Yeah. yeah. Well, I dropped him, but I got the hit. <laughs> I got the hit. But that's... That, that, and that's the thing, you know. How how often have we seen a big log or you know a really key structure, and you sit there and you put two or three in it, and you get that next next log fever, and you go oh. every day in any warmer <laughs> any warmer day, even that day I did it all day. Yeah. And that and that's the thing. How how many fish have we? Have we gone past? And then this is the learning thing, especially for me. How many fish have we gone past? Because you've gone, oh, nothing here. Go to the next log. Yeah. And that's and that's a thing we've learned, especially in colder conditions. You have to slow down. You have to sit there and, you know, think through every cast. Let it hit the spot. Let it sink down. Pull it out. And repetition, 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 repetition. Yeah. You know, I, I call it, um, especially with big fish, in cool water, I call it the Big Mac and um, beer theory. People right. laugh their butt off of me at this. Yeah, here so, we go. So basically, you know, if I'm sitting inside, it's a really, really cold day. Yeah. Someone knocks on my front door. Cotties, I've got a half a pack of the chips out the front here. All you have to do is get off your log, get off the couch, walk across the road and get it. Mm, nah, not worth it. Yeah. Well, I Chris. I've got a whole pack of chips here. Come across. From, nah, nah. These are these winter cod. These winter cod are sitting in there dormant. They are not moving. You've got to make it worth their while. Yep. So, obviously, you say, crotties, I've got a six pack of beer and a Big Mac out the front here. All you do is cross the Yeah, OK, I'll get it off my ass. I'll go. I'll move down there. And I'll give it a go. Yeah. You. So, are you
0: saying it's it's the size? 100%. Of the so, that's the other thing we want to talk about. So, in the colder conditions, you've obviously got to persist. You've got to mm. put in more, ca- yep. rule layers. more casts in less spots. Yeah. And I'm talking in the river here specifically we're talking natives cod and things like that bigger cod now you're saying upsize upsize and also
1: look for your, your key hunting areas so not only are you putting a larger presentation more casts in 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 the structure zone but you're putting them in the strike zone you're putting them in the area where you know that fish front of the snags facing into the current you know that fish if there's going to be a hungry fish that's where he's going to be there's no use sitting there and prospecting in open water with a big presentation and flogging 40 or 50 casts in open water, hoping something's going to come by. Yeah. I don't have the patience nor the time during that day to do that. So if I see big structure, front of the log, I've got my three key areas. I've got the front of the front of the log. I've got the Y at the front. Of, and I've got, you know, right behind it, I'm going to flog those three areas till it foams yep. with a large presentation, yep. make sure it's big enough. You know, as you know yourself, these metabolism of these fish is It's slowed right down. They're not going to risk burning precious fat and energy to chase down a 75-mil lure in the hope that I might get that. These are are fish that are designed to play the waiting game. Large presentations, multiple presentations, make it worth them to get off their log and get a beer and a Big Mac. They're not going to chase
0: after a chip. Yeah, exactly. So is it worth chasing smaller cod and golden perch in the harder winter? Or Obviously, it depends on the waterway you're in. If you're on the Murray River, just chase big fish. Yep. If you're on the Murrumbidgee, there's a lot less big fish. So, yeah. But then again, are you still worth using those bigger lures? Those smaller lures are not really... They're not big, really conducive not, with big fish. No. Don't get me
1: wrong. Oh, there'll be people listening to this going, lies, I've caught yellowbelly and golden perch and cod on small lures in wintertime. Yep, yeah, and don't get me wrong, we've done the same thing. We've had drifts since start of April where we've gone down Upper Murrumbidgee and we've stoned countless mounts of golden perch on 80 mil lures. There's one after the other after the it's other. The right time of year, though. Yeah, and that's it. we had perfect conditions for them to do it. And then you've gone back to the 99.99% of the time when we fish winter wintertime and you've come back with a duck egg. Yeah. But if you're using larger presentations, you're using 100 mil plus lures and you're slowing a retrieve down and you're getting in their face. That's what's gotta make, especially in cold conditions, more so than any anywhere else, cold conditions, you have to spend the time, find the active areas and really slow that presentation down and get it in their face. A lot of people say, you know, you can you can annoy a cod in the in the hitting.
0: Yep. I I am very, very questionable about that. That's what I want to touch on back to that story about that fish hitting me on the seventh cast. Yeah. Do we do we do we know because people go, well, what happened there? Did, did that fish just happen to swim into that spot? Who knows? Like, who knows if yeah. that fish was even there? But did we annoy him into yeah. eating, or did, did was he actually not there? Like, what is it? Is it is, is it an aggression? I don't know whether he did, was hungry or whether I finally put it in the right spot for him to strike it because he was hungry, because he was slow, or whether I and I don't believe they hit out of. Like territory, I I, like I think in in certain times of the year, you
1: will get cod that are extremely territorial, especially around spawn when we're not supposed to be chasing. Hundred percent, don't chase, and I don't I don't advocate that at all. You will get cod hit out of territorialism, yep. And most of the time, you know, if you're using smaller lures, and you I've 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 seen them used on like sixty-five mm lures. I've targeted golden perch, and you're catching cod. Up side of the face, and that's one hundred percent an aggression strike. That's not I want to eat you. That's a bugger off. You're in my area. Yep. When cod season open, and you find a big log, and I've I've I learnt I, I've, I've been told all my life you can annoy a Murray cod in the biting.
0: Uh. I, oh,
1: I I've got a, I've got a log down at Carawana which I have flogged till it has foamed like 60, 70 casts either side. I know there's a cod on it. I know there's a fish on it. But for the life of me, I can't get him to chew. Yeah. I think if you're gonna play that game, you're gonna have more fishless trips and you will have success. Yeah. You're better off, in my opinion, targeting the active areas, active the front of the log, you know, sure
0: enough. Put in your twenty or thirty casts. Don't sit there and spend all. This day. This is only in winter. I wouldn't this do this win- any other time of year. Oh, this is I'd only fish hard in winter. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Rest- during during the heat of the day, rest of the time, cover your water fine yeah, active autumn, fish. Summer, Yeah. Autumn, summer. Yeah. But in the hard conditions, you just get a massive cold snap. Put in the cast, but I don't think they're eating it out of an aggression or strike. No. I think it's finally falling in the right spot for him to go. Oh, Bam. that's yeah. enough to worth. Yeah, my, my I had a pet Murray cod,
1: and I've learnt more from watching. Yeah. I learnt more from watching him, especially when the tank water was incredibly cold in summertime. I could chuck a yabby at the other end of that tank, and that thing wouldn't last fifteen nah. seconds. He was gone. When that tank water was cold, I'm talking bitterly cold. He used to live in my shed. I could put, and he could be starving, absolutely banging for a feed. If I put that yabby opposite of that tank. He wasn't moving. No. He no. would sit there and he would eyeball it and eyeball it and his fins would be lit, he'd be ready to go and he'd sit there and watch it and watch it and watch it. It had to be on his nose. Yes. Before he, he went, right out, it's safe enough Bet for me to come out of my log and eat him. Murray Cod and Golden Perch, I believe, especially in impoundments and rivers, exactly the same. Yeah. I've, I've You know, y- you can't be a metre and a half off your mark, you have to be on the nose and it has to be a decent presentation for it to be worthwhile getting on this. When
0: you got rubbish conditions, when, exactly. you, got when you got cold water. When you got cold water, yeah. 100%. And in the impoundment, uh, it's If you get a cold snap, we're not talking about just generic cold winter. No. We're talking about if we get a cold snap, bad weather comes through. Like we've had the last couple of days, yeah, it, yeah. It's going to be tough, and I'd recommend fishing deeper rather than shallower. Now, in the previous podcast or a couple ago, Talis and I talked about fishing shallow in winter and mm. the bait are shallow. Yes, that is true, but if you have a low pressure come through, you have a big cold snap those fish are probably less likely to be up hunting. Yeah. They're more likely to be sulking back on their structure. So mm. that's when, if you're fishing in cold, if you're having to go for a four-day trip away, you have two good days and then the fishing goes rubbish, try a little bit deeper as a recommendation. Try and fish slower. Your, your chance of getting one on top water is very limited. Yeah. You need to have it on their nose. Yeah. And that's where I might actually go back to the rocky banks and fish a bit deeper and just try and brush the lure right past the fish. Yeah. That's what I would do. Oh, abs- in that situation absolutely and you'd, you'd know
1: better than I am I'm more of a river rat than you are and you're in a bit of a pound fish more than a pound fish than I am yeah um, the one thing that when I've spoken to guys especially for example people targeting Mulwala. now in my head I would have thought you know shallower water during winter would be warmer water but you've got to think about it you've had the whole night for that water to chill down some of the warmest water in for example Mull is actually the deeper channel the deeper channel is actually two or three degrees warmer because it maintains its heat from the day. So the edges are actually colder until the afternoon to the sun has had time to warm it. So you're better off in the first, first thing in the morning. Sometimes it's the target, those, yeah, deep, right. those deeper holes because it's actually maintained its water temperature. Yeah. Um, and probably the big thing for me when it comes to places like Blaring or Burundong or Burrindong, all those big rocky dams, talking about afternoon fishing, is to look at, the first place that gets hit by sun in the morning now i especially for golden perch moving into the season now moving into spring those are my golden perch areas because those rocks obviously absorb a lot of heat and they will heat the area around them yeah so in tough cold conditions even if it's one or two degrees the first thing i'll do since as as that sun comes up i'll look out and go rightio where is my warm water going to be it can be blistering cold but that area around those rocks is going to be that little bit of a little bit of warmer area, and that's and where the fish are going to hopefully be feeding.
0: Two degrees makes a massive difference, massive difference. with golden perch
1: in rubbish conditions. In rubbish conditions. Yeah. It, you know, you've know got to think about it. You know, the whole chain works. If you've got a blistering cold system that's come through, you've got to look for absolutely anything that's going to be in your favour. So the first thing I'll do, if I'm a shutdown system, it's blistering cold, I'll look around and go, Rightio. the sun's come up, it's going to hit that bank. I'll focus there i won't yeah. look anywhere else i'm not going to look at the shadowy bank that's been in the cold for the last you know nine hours until the sun comes well and truly over the top of its head i'm going to look at the sun the sun bank it's also going to be hopefully you know the bait fish to be pushed up on the edge because the warmer water helps their metabolism lift and then the chain goes on you're going to see shrimp you're going to see larger fish you're going to see you know predators up on there hunting on the edge and that and that's basically you know the the, the key area i'd be looking for especially in cold conditions moving into another condition which can be tough wranglers yep. um I, I reckon we should, you know touch on dirty water and how you approach that reese
0: yeah so dirty dirty conditions are, are very interesting and i know you talk about it all the time is mm. it it it's all depends dirty water What we're going to talk about is dirty water outside of the waterway's natural state. Exactly right. So I'm going to be talking, say you've got a water that runs relatively clear, Mm. we get dirty water, what do we do? Yeah, exactly. for a recent trip, we've had flushes of rain down the Murrumbidgee all yep. winter. So yep. we've had like three weeks, boom, gets dirty again. Yep, Dirty again, yep. dirty again. And it's annoying. It's fantastic. Yeah, It's right. annoying. It's great for the fish. Like good for the a fish. flush of water is good. I'm not complaining. But in terms of fishing, we haven't fished it all that much because one, you get a rise in water, mm. not great for the fishing conditions when the river level comes up yep. quickly. Two, you've got colder water. Yep. We just touched on cold conditions, yep. a quick cold snap. Not really good conditions. Drops, drops there, yeah. The temperature drops a bit. They become harder to catch. Yep. Three, dirty water. Dirty water is just hard work. It's the work. fun sponge of fishing. It really it's is. It's hard work. Now, we're talking dirty water because the water usually is clear. Now, one thing I have learned, which I want to share with you, which I, I really, really tuned into it this winter, was I did a trip. Or early, it was early. It wasn't even winter. And that's why I knew it was all the dirty water's fault because the water tent was still warm. Yep. So I'm, st- I'm thinking it's like April. Water tent was still warm. The river come up a bit, mm. but it was still stable for a week or so. So the river level might have shut them off a bit. Yep. Uh, but I think the main factor was the dirty water. Now, instead of we were on the water, we're in inflatable boats, we're floating for a whole day. Yep. There's no way to go, meh, I'm done, let's go home. <laughs> no, no, you this can't. Isn't you're, you're, you're drifting
1: down. So then, 14K. But
0: it's, it's, it's almost a blessing because... I'm like, right, let's let's figure this out. I'm not going to waste my whole day out here. Let's work it out. So, what do you do? You try different lures. You yeah. try all sorts of stuff. What I learned, right, is hard bodies out fish spinnerbaits. Yep. Okay. I, and I think it's because you can cover the structure down underneath but all the way back. But the other key thing I learned... Was it had to be all? It had to be a hard body for us. But then again, once we worked that out, that's all we use. So mm. we might have got one on a spinnerbait. Yep. But the hard bodies worked, and the water had to be dead still. Yep. So normally in this section of river, the fish and where we catch them is in the flowing water. So it's where the current flows past the log. You cast into the root ball yep. and it's sort of only a little bit, just a little bit of current, or a little bit quicker, and bang, they're there. Ambush, boom, they ambush. They're always the key spots, and we're like, yeah, this is where they're going to be, and we fish like that all morning. No fish. Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. I'm going, this is where they normally are. good to are. see your tactics paid off. That's really good. <laughs> mm. Nothing's here. So water. then, bam, we caught our first fish, right? And instantly I thought, why? Why did we catch that? What happened? Now, the reason we caught that was because we hard body. Yeah. And I looked, the water was completely still and there was submerged structure underneath. Yep. So we're fishing in water that has kind of like similar to a trout stream. You've got faster flowing water over a quick yep. section and it drops into deep pools. The middle of the deep pool is usually the the most unproductive water. No. You normally have more active feeding fish at the top where the current is and or at the, the bottom. End. No. When it was dirty, it was the middle section, the dead still water and ultra slow retrieves and the fish's hits were extremely Very timid. Very timid. But it was... That's interesting. Yeah, and we had to roll the hard body super slow and it was dead still. And so we came, continued to fish all structure as we went down. Yep. The second fish, bang, still water third bank it was all still water we got four fish for the day all after one o'clock now the reason they might have fed a bit better is because the water temperature did rise in the afternoon like that's a massive condition we've had that we've had that happen a couple massive all the time especially when you've got a bit cooler so we're on the cooler side of temperature if you want to look at it so if this was summer i'd say morning's better winter afternoon's better this was this water rise might have cooled it down a bit it was like that middle temp but Afternoon, but then nothing in fast water. So that's just a key tip to remember if you're ever going to fish in dirty water that's dirtier than what is normally in the waterway, try the dirty, try the, sorry, try the still stuff, the extremely still water, because the reason they're not in the fast water is because when they ambush, yeah, they're feeding off vibration, but they also got a little bit of sight. Because Mm. stuff's coming past their face quick, they've got to be able to see a shadow or something. You got to bam hit it.
1: There's particles in the water; they are refracting light. It makes it harder for them to see. Exactly.
0: Whereabouts in the stiller water,
1: where that, where there's that sediment is, is it is still there, but it's not as bad, and it it settles just that slight, slight amount. It makes it easier for them to ambush. Well, that's
0: one. Yeah, that's one thing. But I think the second thing is because they're struggling to see the stuff moving past them that quick. They are not even there. No. I reckon those fish were not even there. I think they were all sitting in the slack stuff. Because if there was food there, they're either sniffing out mm. bait that yeah. just sits there. They're not actually. They're probably not even actually actively thinking about feeding on moving things like alive yeah. things. They're probably just sniffing out bait. Anything's- but then if something slowly comes tapping past, boom, he's hit it. What lures is you using? Well, so all our boys, the the boys got theirs. One was on an 80 mil strike force Cod Stalker. Yep.
1: Right, and that was in the LSD pattern, so a very very bright lure. Yeah. And it
0: was very shallow. The fish was very shallow, yep. sitting on a she oak on a she oak bank, no structure. Yeah. But still, very yep. still, which is not normally common. Normally, you want a bit of current past yep. them. Second fish was on a 70 mil AC, yep. and it actually followed it right out to the boat, and it. It actually, when the boys paused it, it floated up and it followed it up in the water column. It was just slowly moving. So, obviously, and watching it and vision, cause on that float, on that there is no vibration given these, but he's looking at that look. He knew it was there because of the vibration. Yeah. And he's come out into probably some clear ish water, but he must have been on it. I got mine on a dyno. Yep.
1: Yeah. So, so, you got the blinking LED light so once So, you got again. the LED
0: light, where and it's in such filthy water. That LED light is very mi- like it's very minor part of that lure, but whether it was what helped the fish find and eat the lure, well, who knows? And I think the other one was on another AC, but yeah, seventy mil.
1: And that and that's the thing, like when you are when you are fishing those dirty water conditions. I know myself, hard bodies are my go-to. Um, there's hard bodies only my go-to in clear water. Yeah, but in hard bodies, especially the AC range. In the, the ninety mil in particular, because it is a bloody loud lure. Because of the rattle, yeah. The rattle. Um the seventy the eighty mil COD stalkers, I love them in the L S D range or the Elton John colour. Really, really bright contrasting colours and if there's any light penetrating through the water, it's gonna bounce off those lures. It's gonna give you that edge and that's that little thing you're thinking about. And the nine and obviously the ninety mil dyno with the L E D technology, you know, you 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 you're using lures that are designed for that tough water hmm. you're not just strapping on the one lure that used to work in summertime and flogging it till it foams yeah so and that's the thing as anglers in fishing those dirty water conditions think about those little those little touches yeah now, even i know you're going to probably gonna contest this next comment i'm going to make
0: something about scent it's going to be sent here we go i no. love
1: i love I, and that's the thing fish fish have Array of sensors they can use so you can either have sight you can either they can pick it up through vibration through their lateral line Or they can use smell yeah for me I'm going to use absolutely every tool in my kit, you know um, I'm going to rub scent on it. I'm going to use loud lures and I'm going to slow my retrieve down Those are the three big key things in dirty water that I like to do. Yeah, I've caught them my go-to lure um, used to be a killer lure river rat, very small shrimp profile it used to be fluoro pink, and it used to sit on a very high angle. And I used to be able to, when I was retrieving it, I'd get it to the bottom, I'd let it hit the bottom, and then my retrieve was basically sharp, short rod tip jerks until it was crashing the bottom, like making as much, and they it was a loud rattle, basically waking them up, getting right in their face. And I would go into the areas behind she-oak trees or willows, the slow pocket water, where these fish might have a reprieve from hot and generally, when you get dirty water, you get slightly higher water. Those little areas where they be, you know, sitting there and waiting it out. That's where I had my most success. So, you know, for 90% of the time when I was fishing, I, I wouldn't use that approach. I would never be
0: jamming a lure into the bank. Yeah. So are you, you're not, but you're not retrieving it quick, eh? You're just no. You're fishing it's still slow. Oh, it's it's hopping probably, you know,
1: 200 mm. mil at a time, and then when it's hitting the bottom, it's like. And then it was, yeah. And it would literally wake them up.
0: Yeah. So, so I'm not a big believer in rattles, really. I try to avoid them as much yeah. as I can, but dirty water is where I was, I'm was. i happy to use a rattle. You, yourself?
1: Yeah, 100%. Especially when
0: it's summer and they're hot and they're active and you've got, like, dirty flows or big mm. rains come in, you've got warm, active fish, yeah. rattle does help. They're not spooky at all. Well, yeah, yeah. And, that, and that's right. You know, in, in dirty water
1: where, you know, they're used to if they're hunting in clear water you know I've, I've fished areas where you know they've had dirty water all year round you know yeah. and that's their normal that's their that's the way they hunt um, you don't have to use a rattle you, you can use standard standard fare and they'll, they'll track it down but where you've got a Murrumbidgee River which is clear and all of a sudden it turns to chocolate will go I'll go radio get away from my, my beloved 80 mil cod stalkers which are a silent running one I'll go for a 90 mil 24 foot. A C invader with yep. a loud rattle. Yeah. And then I'll smother the bottom of it with S-factor <laughs> or something like that and I
0: will slow it down. So yeah, that'd be my biggest tip for dirty. And colours in dirty water, it's 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 up bright. for debate. So you're saying bright. I'd say bright or dark dark for mm. a silhouette. Mm. Nothing in the middle. The natural colours nah. disappear.
1: Yeah, I, I I go I go off basically um, I took the advice of a barra angler. And when they have the wet season up there and they're fishing chocolate water, they go metallics. And that water is not like we, we consider dirty. They consider fantastic. And they run metallics, so anything that's going to reflect light. Yep. Or they go to Bonzo, like Elton John, high UV, anything that's fluorescent. Yep. That's what they run. In dirty water. In filthy and it dirty water. Yeah. And you have to think about it. If you've got metallic, like for example, the the, the gold bomber. Mm. that's a basically a gold mirror so any light that's penetrating through that water it, it's any flashes. it's going to flash yeah and your elton john color is probably one of the brightest color in the spectrum
0: yeah right and then what you're saying if you had clearer water that's where you use naturals 100 they can
1: see it they, they, they're using their eyesight that you don't need anything that's going to stand out even like pull back on the rattle you know especially yeah. with their finicky. And they're finicky in that it's not i don't like using rattle you know unless they're really really aggressive they don't really you know that you know, or, they need to, or night fishing, for example, where they might need to track it down a bit better. I, I, I generally steer clear of it, to be totally yep. honest. Yeah. But those conditions, when they're harder, when
0: they can't see it, they can't, you know, track it down, yeah, I'll go for a rattle. And I want to talk a bit about, you've got, we're talking about dirty water that's not natural. So some waterways, like you said, are constantly... Yep filthy yeah. and those fish are accustomed to that so they're hunting carp they're hunting little shrimp and things in the water like that Mm. so they're keyed in and that's natural so they're at their natural state Mm. whereas when you get dirty water in another situation those fish become harder to catch because they're not happy no they're they're
1: not not used to hunting they're disrupted they they would rather sit there and salt exactly before they you know take a lure or if they do it's generally they're wearing on their side of their head and they're striking it and they can't quite track it down
0: yes so it's it's that's a key thing to be observant so it's hard if you're going to a waterway that's new that you've never fished before mm. but if you have a local waterway and you go oh, how do I fish this it's dirty well first of all is it always dirty mm. is it always dirty and if it's not then we'll think the fishing might be a bit tough but if it's always dirty how would you approach that do you still you still almost lures would work would you still use a bright lure so that it stands out for those fish mm. first, the first, the first thing you do if you're coming to a new waterway that is, is dirty um,
1: and I know this is Probably one of the key bits of information. First of all, talk to locals. Go. Is this the way this river looks like ninety percent of the time? Yeah. And they go, yeah, mate. It's 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 a dirty waterway. There's still golden perch and Murray cod in it. I fished in Menindee once, and I turned up there, and it was like I, I walked down to the river, and it was, it looked like my dam. I was like, there is no way in hell anything is going to see my lure. And yeah. I said, oh, you guys have a high come through here. And they're like, no, mate. This is this is it. And I was like, right. Okay, so but presenting my lures confidently to the structure and keep like I said, in front of the structure where the fish are gonna be sitting, we bagged over sixty golden perch in the base of three days. Yep. That's the way they hunt. They're attuned to that. If that water and I guarantee if that water went to the extreme and went clear for them, I guarantee you those fish one, they be spooky as all hell yes. and you would not get a touch. They use that water, one, it's dirty water. They use it for as their advantage to ambush their prey and they feel comfortable in it. So there's one stretch of water down here. It constantly, it constantly runs dirty. Yeah. It's always filthy. Whereabouts, the Murrumbidgee River, it's clear as day.
0: Yeah.
1: I can comfortably use silent running timber lures, which have no vibration, no feel at all, in that dirty water and I can pull fish. If that that water was the same as the Murrumbidgee, you wouldn't get a thing all
0: day. No, exactly. And we're talking about tough conditions, and in waterways that are usually dirty, if you have crisp, even the Bidgee, when it's super clear, it's actually a tough condition as well. It looks fantastic,
1: and you're like, this is great, but they are, It's the other
0: side. I didn't even think about that. Dirty water's tough, but the other side of standard which is mm. crystal clear that can also be harder too because a lot of time when we go we go, oh yeah it's good clarity I can see about you know 40 centimetres that's going to be a good day or it's got a tinge of colour mm. to it like this is spot on they're going to chew when it's super clear it's about fishing the shadows Yeah. fishing tight against the shadows using your natural presentations yep. it might even be more so rather than just using a spinabout in a hard body using like plastics or something really natural really subtle
1: They don't need, they don't need that flash they don't need that vibration they can see your presentation they can see you yeah exactly so
0: even you have to take a step back from that. Exactly. You've got to fish further away from the yep. log. That's a massive thing. If you've got super clear water, step it back, stay away. Well, That's a, hard, that, that's a hard condition. Like we
1: said, that's a hard condition. A lot of people wouldn't even think of that as a hard condition. When you're fishing those gin clear conditions, your cast has to be 100% accurate. It, hasn't, it can't be off the mark. And your presentations have to be more subtle. They have to be, you know have to convince these fish to sit there, then they'll follow you all the way out, all the way out, all the way out, and turn around and go back in again.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's right. So it's about being right on the structure exactly when, it, right. when it's clear. And yeah, being natural, presenting your lure properly, and that's important. And you you can't get away with a cast that's one foot away from the log. Yeah, it's got to be on it. So that's another thing. Be very, very careful about noise, about your shadows, about how close you get to structure in yep. clear, clear water. And that goes for the impoundments, which are usually always clear. Yeah, same thing. But that they are always clear. So those fish are used to that. But you still got to be careful. Now, if you've got dirty water. In a dam mm. for golden perch yep. or trout, mm. that's not a tough condition. Oh, I love that. That is that's, a, that's a... That's a blessing. So, yeah, just don't think that... Yeah, that's where it's not tough. That's feeding grounds for that, fish. We'll that, touch on that a, yep. in another time. But dirty water in an empowerment where you've got wind smashing into an area that is key feeding areas yeah when you have the whole lake that's full of dirty water that is that's, tough
1: that's that's
0: and i recommend mm. just finding clear water that's the first step if you have a full lake, like we fish you can for trout once mm. up the top end where the water was running in out of the you can river it was coming out of the portal It was filth. Absolutely chocolate all the way through... Oh, Problems Portal sort of Yeah, yeah, Problems Portal and down through basically to where it hits the main basin, that whole stretch. That was filth. And we fished it for ages and in we were filming a video and in the video we're like, dirty water's good, but dirty water everywhere is not good. No. Because dirty water condenses the fish when you've got one little pocket but when it's everywhere it's fight.
1: you got to find, find those clear lines
0: so we shot off and we looked for clear water we actually looked for dirty water in the clear water if that makes sense so yeah. you look for pockets in the clear stuff but if you are stuck with just dirty water in an empowerment golden perch uh, cod or trout it's fishing slow again yeah. fishing on the bottom yeah. fishing like basically things they would feed on in that condition, which would be bait, more bait-presented things. So imitate yep. yabbies. So yep. even if you're chasing cod or goldens, fish if, things right on the bottom like a yabby. Quite
1: often when you've got the whole empowerment which is covered in chocolate, the chances are, one, you've got a, you've got a rising empowerment or you have a lot of rain which you're going to have a lot of runoff. Then you got to start thinking. Okay, where am I going? Where are my feeding fish going to be? If you've got rising water, if you've got dirty water, you've got runoff, especially for trout. And I know this is this is exactly for trout, and I've seen it happen a lot. Right up on there, you go for your flooded grass grounds. That's where the, you're going to have your worm hunters. If that water's yeah. coming up and you've got chocolate water, they're going to be up in their tailing. They're going to be having a look. It's going to be harder for you to pre- present a lure to it. Yeah. But you know, you know, suspending. Hard bodies are fantastic because you can sit there and slow twitch I and mean, you get that little bit of vibration out. Murray, uh, Golden perch, much the same. Um, Golden perch will prospect the outer edges and looking for worms that have um, been pushed out because if you get flooded wet ground, higher ground, the, uh, the worms will come up, they'll be obviously drowned and they get pushed in. Golden perch will feed around the edges looking for those for that
0: sort of tucker. Um, so if you had a filthy full lake of filth water, was that's full legs, where you'd fish? That's, shallow. that's
1: how I'd look. I'd be looking right here. I'm going to be looking for my, my very start of the food chain. So, the, for example, if I'm chasing Murray Cod in somewhere like Baranjuk, for example, where I've got flooded ground, I'd be going, okay, so you're going to have worms, you're going to have small um, insects and stuff that's going to be basically pushed out and put in. So I'd be looking for my creeks and I'd be looking for that, hopefully, a clear line in the in the sand where I can go right A it's flooded water, got dirty water coming in, I'm gonna be looking for that line where there, there might be a predator sitting in that slightly clearer water, looking for anything that's flowing in or prospecting the edges where you've got flooded margins and they're gonna be in there hunting the smaller stuff. Yeah. If there's carp in there feeding, then have a look around that because chances are if there's a carp on the edges feeding, that's gonna create vibration, it's gonna create interest in larger predatory fish hunting in the same area. And I'd be using that sort of probably presentation. I'd be looking for carp presentations. Like swim baits that sit Exactly shallow. right. And fishing that the not safe edges. So if the carp or, you know, small bait fish are up on the edge feeding on stuff that's flooded, I'd be basically fishing where they are but then slowly pull it out into deeper water where those large predatory fish could be possibly sitting and waiting in yep. ambush. I've seen this happen once before uh, on the Murrumbidgee River. There was a big flooded backwash and there was a whole heap of carp feeding on the edge. Um there was no way in the world a native or a big Murray cod could even get close to this edge. You was probably feeding it around about, I don't know, 15 centimetres of water, but the carp were up in the back and they were tailing. They were pushing around this um, big backwash. One made the mistake of coming around the patch of carp, slowly dropped off at a bit of a clay edge and went to hook back around, disappeared. All he saw was a massive big roll of green, bang, hammered, and just scales. And this thing was gone. Big yeah, bust right. up. All the rest of the carp scattered, but... God knows how long he was sitting there waiting for that one fish to make the mistake and slowly venture out. But he wouldn't have been there because he would have been like prospecting around. He would have been sitting there, picked up the vibration of those feeding fish. He'd have gone, right, this is a feed. And that's what you've got to think about. If you start seeing activity in a shutdown area... Right, that's a good place to start. Yeah,
0: yeah, definitely. 100%. So, another thing I want to touch on is just quickly is high high water temperatures. That can be yeah. hard as well when yep. you exceed, especially for natives above 25 degrees or even for trout when you're getting about that 20, 22 yep. in rivers. The fishing get tough now. I don't recommend Chasing it, I'd prefer to leave fish alone in super extreme temperatures because it's not good for them, especially if you're fishing in impoundment. Well, if you the, catch a fish deep, yeah, pull it up. You've got to pull it through that hot water. It's going to struggle to get back down. But if you are fishing a river, they're probably a little bit safer. But uh, I personally, if I was fishing, uh, say, a small creek in summer where the fishing activity is crack and hot, mm. I'd fish low light periods so morning and afternoon well, yeah. well the middle of the day is not comfortable anyway no nah, you and don't want to be sitting in 35 degrees, no.
1: trying to pull yellows out from 40 foot of water
0: and in a river like a lot of the time they're going to be feeding especially in small creeks they're going to be feeding in the dark so if mm. i love surface fishing in the summer yeah because they're going to be a little bit more active in the in the night time not as bad for them but in the middle of the day they're going to be shut down but you basically want to fish deeper yeah so in a dam Fish down to about eight, nine meters. Don't try not to fish any deeper because it's bad for the and, fish. And if,
1: and if you do, please take a release weight. And and you know, we saw this happen two years ago in Burrandong. We had a massive bite in summertime. We had really, really high water temperatures, high surface water temperatures. Yeah. But cooler down deeper, and they were pulling these fish out of forty foot of water. Yeah, so not maybe. only were they going through barotrauma, but they were going through temperature change going through temperature shock yeah and then what happened the the dam dropped and there was just dozens and dozens and dozens of dead golden perch pushed on the edge there's now tackle shops around the area who are now selling release weights for summertime fishing and if you are fishing in summertime i highly suggest it you know no one ever plans on catching a meter 20 cod and trying to get it back down to the bottom but i've seen guys use you know Bubbles, hooks on anchors and stuff like that. But I was like, going to
0: say, for people who don't know, what's a release weight? Real so basically, quickly?
1: we're trying to get this fish, we, you've hooked it in 40 foot of water, you're bringing it up. Um, it's, its swim bladder's expanded, it's bloated. Now mm-hmm. you're trying to release that fish. It, it, it can't release that air in its bladder to get back down to the bottom.
0: It's going to basically float belly up. It's because the pressure's different. So down deeper, there's more yep. pressure. So it squeezes on the air bladder. Yep. as the fish comes up, there's less air pressure so that air ex- basically expands and it's mm. putting more pressure on the bladder. Yep. So once the fish is able to get back down to that pressure, mm. pretty quickly it condenses. It, it condenses. It again and the fish is fine. And it, so it, what does
1: the release weight do? The release weight basically is either a large piece of lead with a, a hook on the end of it. So basically you clip it onto your, your fish's jaw, you drop them back down to the fish, the, the temperature where that fish was at, and then you Mid-dip, release it. Yeah um but like like you said if, if you're and and for me it it, it comes out pretty it comes across pretty quickly if you hook a fish in 40 foot of water and you pull it up and then you go to release it and all of a sudden it's having a hard time struggling to, to get back down or surviving yeah and you do that again you're having the same result i don't care how good the fishing is yeah. don't do, just don't do it yeah look after the fish look after the fish yeah you know i, I don't care how how much fun it is and how good the bite is if i'm Chucking dead fish back in the water. Just just don't do it. Fish early in the morning or late in the afternoon yep. when that water
0: temperature had a chance to drop. It's also probably going to be your best bite time. And they're probably still going to be deeper, eh? If the water mm. temperature is super hot up top, they're still going to be but deeper. It's not, it's not going to be have as much shock on them, hopefully. Them. Yeah.
1: Because um, we don't want to just stop fishing when it's no, hot. That, we still want to have a crack. Yeah, exactly. Right. And you know, if you're if you're fishing in hot, hot conditions and you do pull a fish try and release it in roughly the same area where you can ant caught the fish. And quick. Because quite often, especially if you're trolling the, you know a deeper section of the dam, you hook a big cod in heat and you pull him up, quite often a lot of people get caught up and they start taking photos and all of a sudden you drift along to the edge. Not only is it in hot conditions, but that water temperature in the edges of the water is probably three or four degrees hotter. Yeah. And you're releasing your fish into hot water again even yeah. more so. You know,
0: it's it's not a fantastic situation to be well, in. Well, that's why I love winter, because I can hold the fish in the water in winter. It's oh, they, fine they as, bounce but in back. summer, quick photos, get it back. But I just want to mention one thing. I was trolling two summers ago at Blaring, trolled over a Rocky Point, just afternoon trial and it was New Year's Day, it was like 38 degrees, stinking hot. Come over a point in six meters, it wasn't that deep, mm. six meters, jammed this massive yellow and because he was 60 centimeters long, if he was small, he probably would have been fine, 60 centimeters long, he come up, he wasn't floating at all, took the photos, went to release him, then he was floating mm. and I was like, oh man, so I actually don't have a release weight but you can make them yourself. So, what I have is I have my tackle back, mm. right, with green cord on a hand line, about Ugh, anywhere from 15 to 30 centimetres above the tackle yep. back, cut the line, get a hook. I didn't even have a hook. I had a jig head because, you know, I've got no bait fishing <laughs> yet. Put the hook upside down. So, tie the eye of the hook to the bottom bit of string. Yep. Tie the shank, the bend, where the bend is in the hook. Tie that to the top. Flatten the barb and put it through over the bone in the bottom jaw of the fish. So this is yep. a yellow belly, just open his mouth, just slide it through, pierce it straight through the bottom jaw, Send them down. slide them down, let them sit down there for a little bit and then just give it a little tug, it'll come off and yep. pull it back up. That's basically how you do that. That's but, it. So high temperatures, I try to avoid them as much as I can, but if you do have them, fish shady areas, mm. fish last and first light And in a river or a creek system, surface fishing in the dark is the Absolutely. way to go. With trout, they're hard to catch too, they're gonna be deeper. Yep. First and last light, they'll be on surface, the rest of the time, they're going to be deep. So mm. just find them on your sounder. If you're up in big impoundments, trolling for trout, use your tools to get your lures down. Yeah, so that's where they're going and to be. And that's the
1: thing. With, with trout, at any degree, is it's going to make the difference. If you're fishing in, you know, 20 degrees of water, if you can come around the corner of a shady area and all of a sudden, like I like to do, chase the shadow. It's a bit like different to winter fishing. If you're at high temperatures and you're chasing trout, hug towards your shadows. Yeah. Keep, in, keep in the shadows. The sun rises up. With a lot of these big trout dams have New South Wales. Uh, on Victoria, they're very high mountainous sort of edges. Stick to your dark areas, the water temperature is gonna be a bit lower focus on those
0: areas yeah 100 so that is fishing in tough conditions that's a few cool things we've touched on there and hopefully you learn a little bit from that that you can use now in your next trip now yep. hopefully these tough conditions won't hang around too much longer because no, we're, we're starting to see some wattle trees
1: blooming which is just the indicator that spring is only around the quarter we're going to start seeing a mad yellow belly
0: season hopefully yes it's i'm, I'm keen for spring now before we finish up it's, we're only a week away from spring. Yes. What's your recommendation, not not just for this area, but for the whole Murray-Darling Basin, chasing freshwater fish for the start of September? Okay, what would start of September, approach? we're
1: looking at, obviously for the majority of area, we're looking at closed season for Murray Cod. Um, so we're talking yellow belly season. Yeah. You know, a lot of you guys are going to go out there chucking jackals around and using your loud vibes. Pull up, pump the brakes, start looking at suspending lures, your jackals, squirrels you're Uh, talking
0: impoundments here impoundments
1: even rivers to a point look at your slow moving lures slow everything down i know everyone's keen to get out there and you know fast work lures trying to look for those hungry fish the water is still cold these fish are just waking up yep the fish are just still waking up so let's say impoundments my my top three lures it's going to be one the zx40 slow hopped slow hopped and once it hits the bottom let it sit Yep, 10 15 seconds then the slow hop um, the Xeric fish traps in the 95s in black, yep. smothered in X Factor. No, I love that stuff. Smothered in X Factor, Berkeley black grubs. Once yeah. again, slow hopped. Um, you know these fish are gonna be following, tentatively looking at, at your presentations. So don't start ripping it out too quick. Let it sit and watch your line. If it twitches, then set
0: the hook. Because spring, so September, early September still pretty it's early. It's freezing, yeah. Water, water temp is still cold, so the goldens are going to be pretty, yeah. pretty slow. And look for your sunny banks and your warmer temperature water. The damn trout stuff should really switch on mid-September because trout prefer the colder water. And we've got a lot of fish that have come back from spawn, and they'll be on the edges looking for worms and the abbeys
1: feeding, so that should be electric.
0: Trout, Trout's worth a crack. Um, yep, yep. So if you're anywhere near the snowy mountains or you're keen to chase trout, do a trip to UK can mean mm. mid-September to the end of September. That's probably the best time. Yep. Yabby's... Uh, they'll they'll be feeding on yabbies on those yabby banks even fish though, deep on the clay
1: edges you'll be doing really well.
0: Yep, that's right. So that's a pretty good start, and then the fishing's going to get more and more exciting as get more the time electric, goes yeah, on. Absolutely. But we're going to talk a little bit more in future podcasts, maybe with Talus a little bit about uh, spring cod in impoundments, mm. and because I know Talus is keen for doing a lot of that this year. So we'll touch on that. But golden perch is by far the way to go as you hit September for most of us around the country. It's only the cod is in only really Eildon Eildon, Claring and Copeton. and Copeton so the places where it's open obviously don't go do it in the places where it's not but where it's not you can still chase golden perch and trout so that brings us to the end of the episode and make sure you check back over the next couple of weeks for the launch of our free freshwater mini series. Absolutely, to be very it doesn't exciting doesn't like free stuff exactly so thank you very much for that Chris that thank was you. a great chat talking about fishing tough conditions cheers mate cheers man How good was that episode? Now, we talked about things that are relevant for all of us. We all experienced those tough conditions and now, hopefully, with the information that Chris and I shared, uh, you'll have a few more... handy tips to have in your head so that when you head out in the water, if you're met with those conditions, you might be able to catch a few more fish on that day out in the water. There's no way that you're going to catch more fish in that con- those conditions than in perfect conditions, but if you can make the most of what you're giving, uh, of what you're given, then it means that you're going to have more fun out on the water. So, I really do hope you enjoyed that episode. Now, we have super exciting episodes coming up in the future, some really awesome interviews. And just to touch on, again, that complete guide lure fishing series, if you want to learn more about it, if you want to learn how to catch more fish, just go give it a look. A lot of people ask me questions of, oh, is it worth it? What's in it? Am I going to get much out of it? And not a single person after watching the series has come back and said it didn't help them everyone was blown away by the information they got out of the series. So if you want to learn more about that, just jump on the social fishing website. I also want to touch on in the next two weeks, if you've been listening to our podcast, you would have already heard In the next two weeks, we're going to launch a free freshwater mini series. So keep your eyes out for that. I am super excited to release that. And also a part of the free accounts is you'll be able to submit listener questions to our podcast, which we are going to answer uh, in the episode. So if you have any questions you want to learn more about, as Chris that i talked about in this episode send them through so as always guys thank you for jumping on listening to the podcast today and now it's time for you to head out in the water and go fishing